Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and first, John. By the way, I did get a text message. Michelle is watching, so just so you know. To <laughs> so praise the Lord. All right. First, John, in your Bible, find that place, if you will. And we want to look to the truth we have here in Scripture, pick up where we left off last Sunday morning. Now, we will be delving into some Christmas messages as the uh, month goes on, so don't worry if you want Christmas messages, we have them, and uh, we'll uh, get them ready for you. Now, in 1 John, chapter number 3, you found that place in your Bible, say amen. amen. And if not, just pretend like you're there and, and uh, keep searching anyway. It says in verse number 18, 1 John three eighteen, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth, we assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Father, bless the time. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that have been sung with the hymns that the congregation has sung were, were a blessing. Thankful for the, we can sing about a coming Savior who came to rescue sinful wretches and make them children of God. Thank you for Brianna and Crystal's special this morning. My heart was touched by it. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you came to rescue sinners. Bless all the services that go on here today. The children downstairs in Tolliver Church next door with the young people. And may the Spirit of God work in all these services. And Lord, in this service now, and those who listen through the Internet, may the Spirit of God move in a way that will change lives, not only for our earthbound years, but for the rest of eternity. And I pray, dear God, if anybody here is not saved, help them understand the gospel. And that, Lord Christ, did not come condemn the world but that he might save it and that sinners may have a, a chance and a hope and a promise of forgiveness through him. I pray dear God that you'll encourage the saints who are discouraged. Realize Lord we are on the winning side and that Lord you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us and your spirit is always with us through the darkest hours and the brightest day. Now help us in this time speak for me and speak through me we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John, as he is writing to the believers here, encouraging the church in the city of Ephesus as they are dealing with false doctrine, false teachings, Gnosticism has crept into the church, and many people are confused on who Christ is, the purpose of Christ, why Christ came, and, and John is writing this book to straighten all of that out. And he is here talking to them at this portion, letting, giving them a test. Now, uh, there are several tests that John gives. Now, I was never a big fan of tests in school. I always hated it when the teacher would say, we have a surprise test today. It's like, oh, no, here we go. I was, even if I knew about it, I wouldn't be prepared. And now we got the surprise test has been snuck upon us. And so if you're a school teacher, please do not do that to children. It stresses us out. And, and, it just, and <laughs> people like me will never be normal ever again. But uh, so God gives us tests. These tests, my friend, are not to prove us failures or show, but to encourage us how we are children of God. 
And the test that he gives us here is, a, is our heart. And how do you know you're saved? Now, one thing, as a Christian, you ought to know you're saved. You ought to know you've been born again. Know that you're on your way to heaven. Know you're a child of God. You ought to know that. People say, oh, you, you, you can't know that. Well, no, the Bible says these things I've written to you that you may know. And the Bible is a book of knowing. God wants you to know certain things. And you ought to know you're saved. You ought to know you're on your way to heaven and, and get that issue settled. And sometimes there's things in life, maybe it's our youth and immaturity and our spiritual growth that prevents us from understanding that we are saved and, that, and we have eternal security. Other times it might be sin in our life that prevents us from having assurance. After all, if I'm, if I'm saved, why am I doing this? If I'm saved, why am I thinking this? And, and if I'm saved, then I really, I wouldn't be doing this because Christians don't do these things. And that may be a, a problem for us. And John's going to address that. Now in this chapter, he says, My little children, let us love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's one thing to say you love somebody. It's another thing to actually show them that you love them. And when we're Christians, love is produced in our hearts, as we saw last week, by the Holy Spirit of God, that it not only just comes out of our mouth, but it comes out in the actions and in the deeds that we do. Again, most people will have feelings. If we watch somebody on TV suffering, they, you see those dog commercials. They always play the most saddest, most... I'm watching the commercial, why don't you fix the dog? Why are you letting the thing sit there suffering like that? Do something about it instead of filming it. It's like watching your kid fall off the ladder and you're filming it so you can post it. And so we, we see people suffering and our hearts go out. Will you help these people in, in, in some foreign land? Will you help this person? They show them and we go, oh man, look at these poor people. And, we, and, and it plays upon our sympathy and our emotions uh, are drawn into that. Well, my friend, we can all have all the sympathy and emotions, but... Love wants us to reach out and do something, but God takes it another step. And Christianity does something that no other faith or religion does on planet Earth where it says, you know what, it's easy to love somebody who's suffering because, well, they've never done anything to you. You want to help somebody who's never hurt you. That's, that's understandable. Christianity says, let me love somebody who has hurt me. Now, when somebody, a bad person, ends up getting hurt, we may look at it, we say, you know what, well, they deserve it. Or he's being paid back. Or God is judging him for his evil. We may say, well, he's made his bed, now let him sleep in it. Or he's reaping what he sowed. And we can go on and on with all the things that we may say about somebody who is suffering that we don't like because they're a bad person. That's the attitude that may go through our minds, but the Bible teaches us and God com commands us and Christ commands us that we are to love what? Our enemies. Love our enemies. It was Elisha, the prophet who was surrounded by the Syrians, and when God struck the Syrians with blindness, his servants said, good, they're blind, let's kill them. He said, no, 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 we're going to show them kindness. We're going to show them kindness. And he took care of them and, and, and helped them. They didn't really appreciate it, but he demonstrated kindness. Again, love and our action of love should be shown. We can show it towards our friends and maybe church members. Hey, so-and-so in church has a need and let's pass the plate and try and help somebody out. We can all do that. But let's pass the plate for somebody that we hate, despise, and don't like. The collection may be a little thin on that opportunity. 
So he's saying, little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but let's do it in our deeds. Let our, our, our actions be shown here. Let's do something. It ought to be practiced in sincerity that we're actually caring for somebody. You all watch videos on the internet. You see that guy cutting people off, going down the highway, doing crazy things. And at the end of the day, he ends up smacked on the guardrail. And we're all like, woohoo, you know, good. Well, but that's really not to be our attitude. Somebody not only may have hurt themselves, hurt other people, but be, there's a, be some compassion in that. Now, again, compassion does not mean that people don't pay for their crimes. It doesn't mean that there's not a, there's not, uh, you know, we don't, people don't be punished for that. But God always commands us to be careful with our attitude in those times. To love only those who love us, again, is not scriptural. Jesus talked much about this, especially in Matthew's gospel. It, it is not loving like God loved when we just love those who are kind to us. As I said last week, and we've said many times, Christ died for us. Why? When? When we were yet sinners. When we were yet sinners. If we love God and have God's love in us, then we will love those who do evil. Now, listen, this is a, this is, let's take this to, the, to the, the furthest extreme, can we? October 7th, there was a Hamas terrorist attack upon Israel, and really bad things happened. Those were evil actions. We cannot justify any of those actions. We cannot condone any of those actions. Those are, and, and they deserve to be punished by the laws of the land and by governments for their wrong actions. Do they not? They should. That's why God gave us governments. The purpose of government is to punish evildoers. And we want them to be caught. We want them to be punished. But understand that each of those people is a soul for whom Christ died and Christ loves who have been brainwashed into a horrible theology from their childhood. They start little children showing them cartoons and Barney cartoons. Instead of Barney singing, I love you, Barney's got an AK-47 and talks about killing Jews. That's, that's reality over there in that land. They, I've seen the videos. That's what they grow up with. So their whole life is indoctrinated with killing Jews and killing Christians and kill, kill, kill. But you know, in there, one of the greatest stories, I've used this illustration before, we all know the story of Corey Ten Boom, who was Jewish. She was put in a concentration camp by Nazi Germany. And there was a clerical error, <laughs> clerical error, where she was released from the concentration camp and escaped. And she always went around giving her testimony about her faith in Christ and what Christ did for how Christ saved her and what Christ did for her. Powerful. You ought to, anytime you get a biography on Corey Ten Boom, you ought to read it. It's a powerful testimony on her life. One day she was giving a speech, and or not a speech, but she was speaking to a group of people and giving her testimony and telling about Christ. And a man walked up to her and said, I need you to ask you to forgive me. And she said, well, who are you? And he introduced himself. He was a, a, a Nazi officer in a concentration camp. I'm sorry, I'm probably responsible for killing your family. And in that moment she was filled with rage and anger and all that hatred for the Nazis came rushing through her, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit of God whispered to her heart. Now the man had professed faith in Christ. This man who once was a Nazi officer somewhere along the line found Jesus and got saved. And she was filled with hatred and anger towards him. 
and, 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 and despised him there in that moment when the Holy Spirit of God whispered, Now, Corey, I have forgiven him. Who are you not to forgive? That kind of puts things in perspective now, doesn't it? And they embraced a Jewish woman and a former Nazi embraced in a hug because they both found Christ. Jesus Christ is in the saving business. He's in the save business of saving really bad people, is he not? The Apostle Paul said he's the chiefest of sinners. We have trouble understanding that, but he was a murderer. <laughs> he kicked in your door, took you to prison. People died because of the Apostle Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus, but he found Jesus Christ. John, we don't know much about John's life prior to his salvation, except that he was a fisherman, but he was once a young man filled with pride. Jesus, I want to sit on your right hand. My brother wants to sit on your left hand. We want, we want that high position someday. And now here he is, this gracious, humble servant of God. God has a way of getting you where you need to be through life. And so we need to love people, not only in our actions. Now, again, I go back to those Hamas people. And again, they, they, we, have, we don't want them to go unpunished here on earth, but they do need to find Christ. And, and by the way, through all these wars that have gone on for the last 30 years in the Middle East between Desert Storm and everything else that's gone on, we may not agree with all those things politically, but one thing that God did do during all that chaos is the gospel has gone in and, and, and countless thousands upon thousands of Muslim people have found Jesus Christ as Savior. They have to do it secretly, it's quietly, and, and I have a book I've read about people who've lost their lives and what they went through and the martyrs over there in the Middle East. The gospel's gone. Whatever Satan's working, my friend, you can be assured God is always working. And wherever God is working, Satan's also working. But God's always doing something. And so we thank God there's going to be a lot of former Muslims in heaven. There's going to be a lot of former Jews, a lot of former bad Christians in heaven because they found Jesus Christ. You say, what, what do you mean Christians? A lot of people think they're Christians just because they grew up in a Christian home, but they've never been saved. You're not saved till you, you're not a Christian until you come to faith in Christ on your own. Now, God wants us to love. God wants us to love in, in our actions. And, and when we do these things, it brings assurance to our heart. As long as we got hatred and bitterness in our heart, and bitterness is a bad thing. Bitterness is a bad seed to let stay in your heart. We can get bitter against church people, you know, they... And that, that, that seed grows, and, and, and it never turns out good. We, there's a tree that grows in this area. We always called it the stink tree. It's a weed. It's a stinky thing. If you ever shave the bark, you ever touch it, pull it out, you, you, you smell your hands. And we had a nickname for it as a kid, but it's not, it's not a bad word, but it's just not a polite word to use from the pulpit. But we, always, we called it, as kids growing up, the meadows was filled with them. And so they, every now and then they grow up around here, and somebody one time had that weed grew up in their backyard into a big giant tree. They're like, you like my tree? I'm like, it's a weed. It's a weed. That's all. It's a, and if you, it's a stinky, it's not a tree. It's a big giant. And eventually they cut People, oh, it's my tree. It's, it's no, it's just, it's stop. It's a, it's a weed. And my friend, bitterness is like that. It grows up in our hearts. And, a, and, a, and you may think it's good and wonderful, but no, it's, it stinks and it's bitter and it doesn't do any good for you. Be careful of that. Now, again, we can, as Christians, we can say we're going to pray for people and, and do something, but it, we're not really doing anything until we've done something. I'm going to pray for you. Again, anybody can pray. It's until you go, all right, hold on, hold on. And you actually put some skin in the game to do something for somebody. All right, I, I'll pick you up. All right, I'll take you there. I'll do this for you. I'll come to the house and I'll do... I'll, 
You know, a church can have a... Probably should, I talked to a friend of mine, a guy preacher I knew in Houston, Texas. And uh, we were talking on the phone. I said, you're, not there. you're down in Joel Osteen country. He goes, yeah, 40,000 people going to church on Sunday morning with Joel Osteen. I said, wow. man just built himself a couple years ago a $10 million home. He said, you know, we get people from his church coming here. We get people saved and out of that place. And he goes, but there they only give you, if you need money, they only allow you $150 per person. That's all the church gives out. They bought a basketball arena. Preacher's got a $10 million home. Who knows where he's driving? Flies all over the country. He's, you know, America's pastor. He's my pastor. And, uh, and all that. My friend, what if somebody has a need and you don't help them, and yet you have a warehouse filled, what good are you? What good are you? I've often used the illustration, it's like somebody's starving, and I'm eating a bucket of chicken galore, amen? You're hungry? Yeah. I'm going to pray about that and ask Jesus to help you, amen? I walk away with my bucket of chicken and never give you a wing or a, or a thigh. What good am I? Until I say, you know what? Here. Have something. Let me help you out. And those are just silly illustrations. But you understand, until we do something, we're not loving anybody until we do something and putting it into action. He says in verse number 20, and I want us to see this here, where he says, For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knoweth all things. And I want to spend some time on this verse because I think it will help all of us. All of our hearts condemn us from time to time. It's the idea of our conscience. You know, my conscience bothers me. Well, why does your conscience bother you? Because you did something wrong or you did not do something for somebody. And, and every one of us knows what it is in some sense to, to wrong and condemnation. And God has made our hearts to be sensitive to wrongdoing. So that we will feel convicted when we do something wrong. Sometimes we may do something wrong and years later, I had a girl, a friend of mine, she worked at the, the dentist office and she says, you know who was in here last week? She said, so-and-so was in here. I said, I haven't seen him since high school. She says, neither have I. In fact, when we were in high school, he said the most awful, meanest, cruelest things to me. He was really, really bad towards me. And he came in here for dental work and we talked for a few minutes and he walked out and he came walking back in. And he said, Deb, I just want to say, I'm sorry for the things I did in high school and said to you. This is 30 years ago. He goes, it's bothered me all these years. And he goes, I was just a stupid kid and going through a lot. He said, I'm sorry for that. And for any pain and hurt I may have caused you, I'm sorry. His, what was it? His heart was what? Doing what? It was condemning him for years. His heart was condemning until he finally ran into that person and got it straight, which is biblical, by the way. Don't give your gift to God until you first go find the person you've offended and get that straight. Then come bring your gift to God. And we often, and I can't find anybody. Listen, trust me, if they owed you money, you'd find them. <laughs> you'd, you'd chase them down and find out where they were. And so maybe you ought to find some high school person and say, listen, I'm sorry for being an idiot all those years ago. But, you need, but in any case, God is saying our hearts condemn us. Again, we, we all have done wrong. We've all made mistakes. We've all said things, done things, acted out, and sometimes our own deeds and actions that we're really hurting ourselves. We, we beat ourselves up over that. Why did I do that? What, what was I thinking? Why, why was I opposing my own self there? 
Understand something that God knows everything. God sees everything. God knows everything. There's nothing hidden from Almighty God. Nothing is hidden from God. There's no closed, no closed doors. No place off the side of the road. No place in the woods. No secret is unknown to God. He sees it and knows it all. Now take all the evil that we have ever done and all the condemnation we feel and sense. God knows every ounce of heaviness and guilt and condemnation we feel towards ourselves. God's watching us. Look at that poor person. They're down there and they're, and they're, they're condemning themselves. And you in your heart with a smile on your face, but inside you're going, yeah, well, why? Why, well, why? Why did I do that? What's wrong with me? We condemn ourselves. But when we understand Scripture, as Christians, we are to embrace the truth of Scripture. Now, there's one thing about our heart, is our heart is also deceitful, and it's desperately wicked. We all know what it's like to feel pain. We, God has built within us the ability to know when something's wrong and stop doing it. Ouch, that's hot. Ouch, that's sharp. Bang, out. My toe has bent sideways as I was walking through the house in the middle of the night and, and it hit the, hit the bedpost. And now, and ouch, stop doing that. Or you step on a, a Lego that your kid left in the middle of the floor. And if you've never experienced that at 3 o'clock in the morning, just wait. That's exciting. And uh, so... Pain is built into you as a de defense mechanism by Almighty God telling you there's something wrong. For over a year now in my life, my knee has been telling me something's wrong. <laughs> and now, other side of surgery, it's still saying, hey, something's wrong. Usually around about six times a night, it wakes up, hey, something's wrong down here as I'm sleeping wrong. And, uh, and have to adjust myself. It's getting better, by the way, but it's still there. And I appreciate God's defense mechanisms letting me know all that's wrong. Well, our heart does that as well. We see in, here in John, find, if you will, the book of Peter. Peter, go backwards a little bit and find first Peter. Peter knew what it was like to have his heart condemn him. He denied the Lord and, and lived with guilt and all that in his life. So how do we deal with this guilt that's in our life? Well, he says in first Peter, Chapter 1, verse 23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The child of God must remember that they have been born again by the Spirit of God. And they're saved. And a saved Christian, we have been born again. John 17, 17 talks about our sanctification. You see, when we get saved and, and, and come to know the Lord, there should be a desire to know and to obey the word of God. Look at 1 John again. Go back to 1 John. In 1 John, he says in chapter number 2, verse number 3, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought to himself also so to walk even as he walked. You see, as believers, God wants us to obey, but God gave us our conscience to inform us how to, how to do the right thing. And when we obey God, our hearts give us a joyful confidence. You did the right thing. You did what was good. And we're filled with confidence when we do bad our hearts condemn us and we get 
downplayed and discouraged in our hearts. We don't have that confidence because we know. There have been times in my life, listen, I was an oil burner mechanic for years. That's, what, that's part of my, my job. I learned it from high school. And so I was an oil burner mechanic. So uh, going to people's homes when they had no heat and fixing them. And, and oftentimes, and I've done that. Sometimes you can do it when you're sleeping. You can just go down there, boom, 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 and fix it. Done. Ten minutes later, you're out of the house. You're good to go. Another time, you're down there, and you're like, this thing ain't working. And you start doing what? You start second-guessing yourself. Well, maybe it isn't this part. Well, maybe well, it should be this. But I've had, you ever... Listen, any mechanic here, you, you take out a bad part and you put in a brand new part only to have the brand new part bad. That'll, that rocks your world. <laughs> only to find, you put the third, it's, it's got to be this. And, you, and six hours later, it's like you put another one on, it's like the stinking new pump was bad. And that aggravates you. And so you start second-guessing yourself. And, and it really, maybe I'm doing this wrong. What's, what's wrong with me? And people will lose their confidence. Let a, let a sports player mess up and, and, and strike out multiple times. And they get second guess and they lose their confidence and their ability to play that game. Listen, I'm a 300 hitter and here I am. I, I, I'm 0 for 20. What's wrong with me? Maybe I've lost it. When we sin, we condemn ourselves. And we beat ourselves up and we start thinking, am I really a Christian? Am I truly saved? Am I really born again? Because my heart is condemning me and letting me know of my failures. Now again, if a believer persists in sin and continues to walk disobedient to God, their conscience will make them fearful, it will make them depressed, and it will make them insecure. That's how you're wired. And God's letting you know. Listen, just like don't touch that. That's hot. Ow. Years ago, we were working in the house. A guy come downstairs. He had no clue about boilers. We said, we got the boiler running. It's up and running. He grabs the gas pipe. Well, that's cold. And the gas pipe is supposed to be cold. He grabbed the electrical line. Well, that's cold. Like, well, that's supposed to be cold. He grabbed the steam line, which hadn't got there yet, but it's like, that's cold. And we're just standing there watching him. And then he grabs the chin. The chimney, the smoke pipe. Ah! <laughs> and we're just like, I'm going to go upstairs. You guys need me? No, we're good. You can go upstairs. Now, we didn't have time to stop him, but he's just going through this thing and acting like he knew what was going on in life. And really, in reality, he had no clue. But he learned real quickly you don't touch the smoke pipe when a boiler has been running for five minutes because it's probably 1,000 degrees. And he learned real quickly that that's hot. That's his defense mechanism. <laughs> My friend, your defense mechanism God put in you, you're sinning. You're done wrong. Stop. Stop. And if you continue, it only gets worse. Imagine that man holding that smoke pipe. What would have happened to his hand? It just for a brief second on his body put a, no doubt, put some red welts on him and some blisters later on. Imagine holding it. Well, that's like a Christian holding sin. It only gets worse. Until depression, discouragement all come within us. Again, we begin to question the genuineness of our faith. And while we are in this state of prolonged disobedience, again, while a Christian cannot lose their salvation if they're truly saved, what they do lose is they lose the assurance of that salvation due to the plaguing conscience that's 
plaguing them and, the, and that's accusing them. You're guilty. You're wrong. What are you doing? That's not right. Stop it. Knock it off. And he's like, I don't know if I'm saved or not. My heart's condemning me all the time. And until we properly deal with our sin, our unconsciousness, our heart, through the help of the Holy Spirit of God, well, we deal with our sin, then the Spirit of God and the Word of God come in and begin to assure us and help us and give us this confidence we need. The consciousness that, that God has given us is, is, again, is a guilt-producing warning device. <laughs> it's there for a purpose. It's there to let you know that something is wrong. Of course... Your heart may condemn you, but what about those Hamas people who killed and slaughtered and raped and the atrocities? Did their hearts condemn them? In all likelihood, probably not, because from a child, their heart has been programmed that this is right. But I have to think somewhere within us, God put, with, put in us the ability to say, you know what, There's, this is wrong. There's wrong. That's why the Bible says, train up a child. That means you put within your child the sense of rights and wrongs, good and bad, evil and goodness in them. Put that within them so that later on when they grow up, they'll know because their heart condemns them. You have to train the, the heart and program it, just like a computer. Somebody gave me a computer one time. I said, hey, Pastor Matt, this is years ago. I said, here's a laptop. I said, what's on it? I didn't know anything about laptops at the time. I was computer illiterate. And they said, there's really nothing on it. You have to put everything on there. I'm like, I really don't even know what that means. I have no idea what that is. How do you put stuff on a computer? But this, this laptop, by the way, was like, you know, 50 pounds. You know, like, this is a laptop. My laptop is going to crush it. But you know, it was a laptop. And, and I just would open it up and stare at it. And this is cool, but what, what do you do with it? And close it back up and can I type on this? No, you need a, you need a program for that. Well, where, where do I get this program that I can type stuff on that? Well, you, you buy it. Well, where, where, where's, the, the, where's the typing word program store that I go to to get this stuff? Again, I had no clue. Our heart has to be programmed. And, but God puts something in us, though, by the way, to let us know this is wrong. There's wrong. Now, again... He says in this verse, and I want us to see this, and this is very important if we go back to 1 John 3.18, or 20 actually, but if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. God knows how to assure our hearts and how to give us confidence towards him. God knows how to deliver us from the sense of guilt and condemnation. God knows how to remove all condemnation from our heart. Now think about it. All condemnation, all guilt have been removed forever from our hearts. God knows how to remove it all. Remember back in the 90s, you know, if you wanted something clean, you had to use orange. Everything had to smell like the oranges in the 90s. That's how you knew it was clean. It was orange. You know, I got the orange product. You know, in the 70s and 80s, it was lemons. Then we switched from that to, 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 to oranges. I don't know what we're using now, but we're, it was oranges and lemons when I was growing up. Well, God knows how to remove things from our hearts. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. That's the only agent that removes us. God's blood 
Christ's blood is able to remove the guilt from us. That's all it is. Jesus Christ removes the sense of guilt and condemnation. And by the way, you only fully understand that the more time you spend in the Word of God. And the more you put the Word of God in you, and, and less sin in you, the more assurance you'll have in your life. That I'm not condemned. I'm a no good, and Satan will come along and you're a no good rotten sinner. <laughs> I know I am, but Jesus saved me, amen. And, and he's removed all guilt and made me a child of God, and I'm, and I'm a son of God. It's a wonderful thing, and, and, my, and so God's greater than my heart. Scripture also uses the phrase, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And while the world and Satan condemn us, we have the Holy Spirit of God who says, no, you're not condemned. There's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. I have, that guilt has been removed. I've taken that from you. You don't bear that anymore. I bore that on Calvary's cross. I, I did that for you. And I've given you a, a, a spirit with, of joy within you now. And we discover that, again, when we have this forgiveness, when we experience God's mercy, it ought to give us a love towards other people, what they can experience as well. The world doesn't know us. The world doesn't understand anything about us because the world is filled with hate and condemnation. But you and I have been saved from that, that God has reached into the, the fire and pulled us out. Thank God for it. I often tell my kids, listen, listen, kids, your mother and I were pulled from the fire. And as parents, what we've done is we've saved you from the fire. So you don't have to go through those things. And my friend, we are, we're in the saving business of getting people pulled out of the fire. Our hearts should flow with full assurance and confidence in knowing that, that God loves us and that all, all things are well with God. God is not in heaven with a rolled up newspaper waiting to beat me every time I fail and falter. But God is for me. And God wants my best. And God has my best interest in mind. And God wants to help me. And God's for me. Again, we know that we're forgiven and cleansed through Christ. That we are accepted in the beloved. <laughs> there were times as a teenager when I was afraid to go home. Because I had been out that night doing something I shouldn't have been doing. And all the mints and all the violet candy and all the violet gum chewed up trying to disguise everything and make sure that my eyes weren't bloodshot. You say, what are you talking about? If you don't know, then don't worry about it. And I went, I come in the house, mom, I'm home, I'm going to bed, I'm tired, and, and, and shoot upstairs because I was afraid I was going to get caught. My brother would say, mom came in later on, now you're sleeping and smelled your breath. <laughs> Mothers don't like that, by the way. What was she smelling for? See if I had a pizza or something. No. But, you know, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I was wrong. And my mom would catch me. My father wouldn't, didn't care. He wasn't worried about those things. My father was worried about us getting caught in the world. He wasn't worried about us actually doing anything wrong. But my mom worried about those things. And she makes sure that I, so I, I can't, I got to be careful. Got to be careful with this. But if I came home knowing I had done nothing wrong, I can walk in, hey, Mom, how you doing? Sit down at the kitchen table while she was sitting there drinking a cup of coffee and, eating, and, uh, and, and sit and talk to her for an hour at the kitchen table, knowing I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with me. But I knew my mother loved me. I knew my mom cared for me. I knew my mom only had my best interest in mind. And Mom always told me, Maddie, she called me Maddie, by the way. If you want to call me Pastor Maddie, that's your business. She'd say, Maddie, I want you to be a good boy. 
Be a good boy. Where are you going tonight? We're going out. I know you're going out where? We're just, well, by the way, we really had no destination. We're just going out. There was, most times there was just, just stand on the corner. And, We're cool. <laughs> Look at us. It's 20 degrees out. Here we are. <laughs> Let's go get a slice of pizza and stand there. And, and that's, that's it. I can actually do something productive in my life. So-and-so's home studying, that idiot. They're millionaires, and here I am today. <laughs> and so here we are. We're going out. Maybe go to the movies later on. We don't know. We all have money. We'll go in there. My friend... I knew mom had my best interest. Mom wanted me to be a good boy. Okay, behave yourself. Don't do anything stupid. Because she knew my friends, by the way. <laughs> by the way, if you have stupid friends, you might be bound to do stupid things. Can I help you? Amen. And your parents know, by the way. Mom always said, is he okay? Is your friend okay? Yeah, he's fine. He don't look okay. There's something, something wrong with him. <laughs> That's how she described most of my friends. Most of my friends' mothers liked me. Who are you going out with tonight? We're going out with Maddie. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like the Eddie Haskell of the group. But if you get that, you know it. If you don't, don't worry about it. But I was, but I did have some common sense. God gave me that common sense. And oftentimes I was like, guys, I don't think we ought to be doing this. I just don't think this is right. That was Jesus in me because I got saved at 10 and Jesus was trying to straighten a stupid teenager out. Look, if you will, at John 3.18. John's Gospel, chapter number 3. By the way, don't let your friends influence you to evil. The Bible warns about that all throughout Proverbs. My friend, if sinners, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't go with them. Don't go there. In John 3.18, Jesus talking, you know the verse we've read a thousand times. He that believeth on him is not what? condemned but what's our heart do it condemns us but God is what greater than our hearts but he that believeth not is, not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten son of God my friend we are not condemned look at John chapter number 5 and verse number 24 John 5 24 verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. My friend, these verses are assurance to you. Listen, you're not condemned. You're not condemned. I know your heart's condemning because you did something wrong, but all I ask you is you confess it. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 1 says, There is therefore now what? No condemnation to them who are in, which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter number 8. I know I just quoted Romans 8, but look at Romans chapter number 8. I want you to see this verse. The pinnacle of the Bible, the steeple of your Bible. The glory, hallelujah, <laughs> I'm saved <laughs> and forgiven chapter of the Bible. In, John, in Romans chapter number 8, in verse number 34. Who is he that condemneth? Who is he that condemneth? Is it Christ that died Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession forth? My friend, that's a rhetorical question, and the answer should be, is, is, is it Christ that condemns you? And the answer is no. You are not condemned. And he goes on, who shall separate us from the love of God? We're not condemned. But our hearts may condemn us. But God is greater than our hearts. And our hearts may remind us of all the things we've done and all our failures. But my friend, we have the assurance 
our hearts. If we go back to 1 John, 1 John, and we're closing quickly. There's a lot. When we have a confident heart, listen, when you're confident in something, you're filled with the, the, the vigor and, and to, to do it and get it done. Again, going back to the sports analogy, uh, there have been sports players who have had great careers who've made one error in their life and, and they've gone into states of depression. There was a book written a couple years ago uh, on this topic of great ball players. Some men who really should be Hall of Famers, but they, for some reason or not, they never made it because they missed a field goal. They dropped a ball. A ball went between their legs. Something messed them up. There was a Super Bowl years ago with the New York Giants and the, and the Buffalo Bills kicker who won the Super Bowl, but if the ball went, and everybody, anybody who knows sports know, wide right, Scott Norwood, the ball went wide right, and the Buffalo Bills lost the Super Bowl and have not won ever since. That man had to bear the burden of Buffalo. <laughs> you missed a field goal that could have given us the Super Bowl. Bill Buckner had a ball go through his legs in the 86 World Series that cost Boston the World Series. And on and on the list goes. San Francisco player back in the 50s by the name of Merkel messed up, causing the San Francisco, New York Giants at the time, baseball team, a chance at the World Series. On and, these men all went into depressions. They went into an alcoholic state. They, 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 it almost cost their marriages. And, 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 and the things they had to deal with, the, with the one little mistake in their life. When otherwise they had great careers. And how many Christians made mistakes in their lives? Messed up. Had a bad night. Went out one night and, and, and did something that was awful. Some sinful deeds. Some sinful action. And they condemned themselves and, and resigned to stay away from Christ who's saying, I, I don't condemn you. <laughs> you understand? It, it, it's been paid for at Calvary. It's been paid for. You're not condemned. I want you to know that with me there's restoration and forgiveness and, and, and there's hope and, there's, and, and there's, I can take bad and turn it into good. Don't you understand these things? But our hearts condemn us and we believe the lies of the enemy instead of believing what Scripture has told us. Well, we have full assurance, and we're closing, and I'll just read a few verses, and you can meditate on this, these things. Verse 22, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing to sight. You understand, when you're pleasing to God and doing right things, you can walk into the throne of God with assurance and say, Hey, God, I need something. And you have assurance that God's going to answer you. As opposed to the Christian who says, You know what? I know I'm disobeying. I know I'm sinning. I know I'm messing up. I really don't have any expectation to expect anything from God. And in a sense, that's true. But God is a merciful God. All you do is say, God, I'm sorry. And he says, it's good. <laughs> it's good. And generally mean it. Verse 23. And this is the commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandments. That, my friend, there is what he wants us to do. We should believe on him, be saved, and then follow on his commandment to love one another. That's how, again, that's the test of your Christianity. Have you believed on Christ? Yes. Well, do you love one another? Well, yes. Or I'm struggling with that. Well, ask him to help you with that struggle. Just as God did with Miss Corey Ten Boom with that Nazi. We've all had people who may have wronged us. People who've hurt us. People who caused us financial loss. And they're still lost. 
Be merciful. So again, we have God who loves us. Brotherly love is what God wants from us. Jesus Christ came to earth, demonstrated this love with everybody he met, how he acted, how he treated people, and yet it was, he was always the same. We must love each other. And the Holy Spirit of God gives us a clean heart. The Holy Spirit of God helps us to have this clean heart. And we'll close with verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that we abide in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. My friend, always learn to culminate and develop your relationship with the, your blessed friend who dwells within, your comforter, your teacher, your guide, the Holy Spirit of God. He is that one who enables us to do these things because in our flesh we can do none of these things. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In and of myself, I wouldn't want much to do with anybody. But it's Jesus who dwells within me through his Holy Spirit that helps me to care, love, and have compassion for people. And so John is encouraging the saints here. Are we condemned? Well, God doesn't condemn you. I'm glad he doesn't. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Jesus who loved us and died on Calvary's cross to pay for not just some of our sins or partial payment, but they have all been nailed to Calvary's cross. And by your grace and mercy, we bear none of them. We have been cleansed and forgiven. Help us to walk as children of light. Help us to serve you and to love you. Let us leave from this place to a dark world that our light may shine. Bless now the time and the hour we ask.